Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. Right now, I'm sitting in the backstage area of the Fortune Sound Lounge with Will, but you might know him better as a band called Baths. I would love it if you could say hi. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm Will. I'm in Baths. I'm from L.A. Hello, hello. Thank you for being on my show. How's your day been? Good. Uh, we drove 13 hours, so it's it's medium at this moment, but I think during the show I'll be fine. <laughs> so after a 13-hour drive, what do you do to loosen up? Uh, I don't know. We didn't have time to loosen up yet, so it was going to be <laughs> in maybe 30 minutes. I might take a nap. Uh, we basically just got here, had to check in the hotel, and then run over here uh, and sound check. So I haven't had a break yet, but it'll be sitting or live tweeting a Disney movie, probably. That sounds more like what I'm going to do. <laughs> you came from Calgary. When you spend that much time in a van, what's going through your head? Uh, where is the nearest Tim Hortons? I, oh God, they're called Timbits, man. I can't escape. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, get, I get the chocolate ones that are very moist and are smaller. That sounds terrible. Small, moist, chocolate... Treats for Will. That's all I am thinking about. Literally. Like, they're laughing because I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> Who are those two people that are laughing? <laughs> These are the people that are in my van with me. That's Morgan Greenwood from also Baths, also from Baths. And then this is Phil, or P. Morris, and he is playing our whole tour with us. He is the first of three, and he's amazing. The first song that I'm going to play of yours is called Ocean Death, and that song has a long instrumental buildup. So you know what that means. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it means that we have to talk for about two minutes until the song kicks in. Mm, okay. Uh, I'll do my best. I'm terrible at that, though. It's okay. I'm going to help you, Will. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so in a second, we're going to hear Ocean Death. That's off your new EP. Do you want to say one sentence about that song before I bring it up? Uh, I don't know. It's the lead track off the EP of the same name that just came out. So that's everywhere, and you can look for it online.
welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Ocean Death by Baths. I'm sitting here with Baths right now. I'd love it if you could say a few words about this track. Uh, I don't know. It's it's long. <laughs> I'm I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm proud of it. I'm happy that it's out now. It's it's old. It was a song that I started recording before Cerulean came out, which is like, I think that makes it four and a half years old now. So Cerulean is your first record. Yes. What makes you especially proud about the track Ocean Death? I don't know that it's lasted this long that I still like it and I wanted to put it out. So I don't know. Says something, I guess. We're backstage, so there may be many interruptions as all the band members of Baths and the opening act run in and out of this room. So bear with me if there's some sort of strange background noise. So, Will, a.k.a. Baths, you hate being thought of or called a DJ. Why is it so bad being called a DJ? Uh, just because it's a misconception about what I do, that um, I'm a musician and I, I... Not that DJs aren't musicians, but just that I compose all the music, I'm playing live instruments on stage, I'm singing... And so it's a weird thing if we were to walk into a club and then somebody says, oh, you're the DJ. Here's the DJ booth. Um, you guys can, you can sit. <laughs> um, just that it's like, it's a weird thing when that happens because uh, it, it makes the rest of the night not make sense to anybody. And then we get a bad sound check and blah, blah, blah. And it also kind of categorizes the music I make in a way that makes me uncomfortable because it doesn't it doesn't make sense and it doesn't come from that place i don't i don't write like club music i don't think so i don't know it's just it's it's just the wrong thing to say i think so what should we call baths (laughs) i don't know a musician i don't know whatever's easiest so how do you feel about the term laptop album i don't know i've never heard it like that before and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know. Because that's also not totally what I do. I've composed on a laptop, but I use live instruments. So I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it because I haven't heard it before. So. Right now, you're touring a new EP called Ocean Death. I wanted to ask you, first of all, how are you doing these days? I am doing well. I am doing very good. We're at the end of the tour, so it's going to be nice to be back home in a few weeks. Last year, you put out your second full-length record. It was called Obsidian. That can be hard when your, your first record, Cerulean, was a universally loved. So I'm hoping you can talk a bit about that. The first record? Just making a second record when you have had a first record oh. that's been universally adored. Uh, I went into it knowing that I was going to make a record that was less popular. Not that that was the point, but that I figured that would be the reception because I wanted to make a weirder record. It was sort of, Obsidian was sort of the record with that song Ocean Death, how I said I had started working on that before Cerulean. It was the record that I had in mind for myself at the time, but I didn't think made sense as a first impression. So I kind of put it on the back burner and then worked on something that was a little more accessible, and then it turned out to be way more accessible than I thought it was going to be. So that was fantastic. And then it left a very, very comfortable ground for me to make the second record, so I was really happy it worked out the way it did. So I went into it thinking that I was actually going to lose a number of fans from the first record, which is okay, uh, because I think I did lose some, but I think I've gained a lot more in 
a different light. So it's good. It's good. The big story behind Obsidian was that the record was the result of you suffering from about a bad bout with E. coli. So I was hoping first, could you tell me just how bad it got? Uh, it was like six months of recovery. And when I say recovery, it was kind of like my daily routine would be like I would wake up and then just sit upright on the couch and wait two hours until the nausea went away from moving to sit in an upright position in order to go get myself some bread and some rice and or Gatorade to eat, because that's all I could stomach. And then I would move back from the kitchen back to the couch and just sit and either watch TV or read a book or lay down again. And that's pretty much all I could do for around four to six months. I didn't really leave the house that much. I could barely drive anywhere. It was kind of horrendous. So it was a very, very strange time in my life. (laughs) Most musicians tend to describe what they do as like an urge to get stuff out. So since you went through this experience or when you were going through this experience, can you talk about your relationship with music and creating art or doing what you do? Uh, one more time. Sorry, I lost track of it. Well, oh, wow, something really fun's happening up there. <laughs> you sucker, you're stuck here in an interview with me. Uh, just, I'm just like... When you have when you go through a big experience like that, most artists that you know they always talk about their music as if something they have to push out of them. Mm. You were in a situation where like you were working through your getting better. Yes. And what was your relationship to music at that time? Well, it was it was um, it was kind of apathetic. The whole thing was that during that entire period of time, I felt like completely uninspired and non-creative and non-committed to anything. I was just like all I was trying to do was recover. I literally couldn't think about anything else. So it was an interesting thing because it was just sort of like wanting to make a record, but that even that want sort of disappeared. I wasn't even thinking about it. And it was only sort of once I was coming back into normal health, I remembered that that was like a thing that I had been trying to do. And I was bummed out by how long I had to put it off, but I was very excited to get started. And in knowing already, because before I got sick, before any of that happened, I had already had the darker sort of setting I guess for the record in my head it just sort of like honed the focus of it a little more and instead of the record being entirely about death because that was what I started thinking about that it was just going to be pop music about death pretty much um, it kind of turned a little bit and I I liked writing about apathy and I started trying to write a little bit more about that because I thought it was kind of more sinister in a way uh, and so I kind of mixed it in with all the stuff I was talking, uh, all the stuff about death that I was writing about. Um, so it just, it became a few more things than being 100% focused on death, but it was all still very negative. That was, that was the goal. <laughs> it's right. Very negatively, lyrically focused pop record. If you had written music during that time in your life, how do you think it would have come out? Uh, I think it would have been bad because I was just... I was I was not upset in a way that would have like translated to something interesting. It was it was apathy and that was why I wrote about it after the fact where I just didn't want to do anything. So all the music I would have made would have been terrible. It would have been very uninspired and very boring. So
to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Miasma Sky. That's off the record Obsidian by a band called Baths. I've got Will sitting here beside me, trapped in this interview. I'd love it if you could say a few words about this one. Uh, sure. Um, I don't know. It's it's the quote-unquote dance track of the record. Uh... This show is on the radio, believe it or not. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about it. Morgan, what should I say? For those of you who don't know, Morgan is his partner in the band. Yes. Which... Morgan, just wait a second. I'm going to come over to you. Hold on. Hold on. You have to introduce yourself. Okay, it's a good track with steady beat. It's got a solid bass line, <laughs> some dreamy synth pads. The stereo spread is impeccable. What more can a man want or a woman want? The only thing I'd want is maybe for you to introduce yourself. My name's Mo. I'm from Calgary. He's from Calgary. And I'm in baths. He's in baths. Thank you. <laughs> You've described your records as people that you care about but wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with. That's strange, considering that you perform these songs every night. That description must be pretty old, because I said that about Cerulean, which still rings true. The point of making the newer record was that I didn't want that to happen, was that I tried to make songs that I could play for a much longer period of time. But... I still feel that way about Cerulean, that I was happy with the songs, but I, it was driving me crazy having to play them as much as I did. So, You also talked about Obsidian and how you've remixed the songs to perform them live so that you like them better. Yes, that's, that's true. That uh, It gave myself and my bandmate Morgan Greenwood um, more freedom on stage, that we're able to expand the songs and have more stuff that's actually live happening and that we're not just playing the tracks front to back, that there's outros and these midsections and a little bit of improvisation and stuff so it's more flexible than it would be if we were just playing the record front to back or something like that can you talk about a specific way that you've changed the arrangements of one of your songs to make you love them again <laughs> the song uh earth death which is one of the most fun ones to play we we extended the outro of it into a very, very loud, uh, aggressive electronic thing that uh, has become one of the high points for us when we perform the set because we basically just get to make as much noise as possible. It's organized, but uh, it's just, it's kind of like the equivalent of a rock band having like a, a freak out rock moment or whatever, like smashing their guitar or something like that. Maybe not that extreme, but like, in our live context, it's the same thing, that we, we get to cut loose and have, have a good time doing that thing because it gets very loud, and so it's very fun. You've said that you're an extremely harsh critic of other people's music as well as your own output. So can you take a Baths track and talk about the tearing yourself down process and then turning the songs into something that you aren't so critical about? Uh... I don't know, because uh, I'm never not critical of it. it more, it's more just that I end up not having any criticism left, which means it's at a good place. So um, with the song Phaedra, I had, I think, 16 drafts of that song. Not because I like went into it like, oh, I need to redo this a bunch and like have a total 
like it's like so many drafts of it and be able to talk about it like that. It was nothing like that. It was more just that I kept messing it up and um, I would take one creative direction that would dead end. Like I, I started with um, a, a synth part. That whole song started with a synth part um, and then I built that synth part one way into this one thing. There was like two or three drafts and then I ended up hating that so I started over with the first synth part and I just ended up building a rhythm with that. ended up hating the synth part so much but I liked what I did with the rhythm so the rhythm stayed and then uh, this is maybe like seven drafts in and then I held on to that rhythm and then I started building something on top of that and then those subsequent drafts became Phaedra after about a total of like 12 or 13 or 14 whatever fucking number I said I can't remember but something like that Um, and so that just happens that it's like I'll go the wrong route and not like what's happening and I don't it's it's very easy for me to test whether it's working or not just if I can listen to it. If I get really bored of it then I then it doesn't make sorry. <laughs> then it doesn't make uh, any sense for me to keep working on it. I have to change what I'm doing or I have to start over completely. So, so I wanna talk a little bit about where you're going as a musician and where you've come from. So I thought that I'd play an older track from Cerulean, your first record. And so I'm gonna give you a choice. You can either talk about Lovely Blood Flow or Maximalist. Which one would you like to choose and why? Uh, Lovely Blood Flow. I hate Maximalist at this point. I've played it to death and I'm very bored of it. So we still play Lovely Blood Flow in the set, so I'm cool with that. So we'll play Lovely Blood Flow from Cerulean, the first record by Baths.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Lovely Blood Flow by Baths off their first record, Cerulean. I've got the man behind Baths sitting here with me on a couch, trapped doing this interview, and I'd love you to talk a bit about this track. Uh, Lovely Blood Flow was... I think the first song that happened for Cerulean that I took seriously is a song for a record as opposed to an experiment. And it started with the idea of a very loud, very simple beat and just like weirdo R&B vocals. It was like a sonic concept in my head. So I started with that and then sort of built the texture around it. Um, And that was that. That was how that song happened, I think. I think. It's been four years since I even talked about recording that song, but I'm... 80 to 90% sure that's that's what happened. Can you compare that track to what you're writing these days? Uh, no, because I haven't written anything in like eight months or something like that. Or, well, I did with the Ocean Death stuff, but it was more like remixing because those were, those were songs that existed from the Obsidian sessions that I worked on and turned into something else. So I don't know. I... At this point in time, I, I literally haven't written a note in like three months or something like that. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so Baths, a.k.a. Will, you're a burbs boy. How do you think being a burbs boy has affected your relationship to music? Uh, I don't know that it's very much my own thing. I haven't um, like I have a community of friends that I've made in music, which is wonderful. But I've always come from a place where creatively music has been an entirely individual effort. I was in bands and stuff and it's always been fun for me, but like writing exactly the way I want to write and how I want to write has always been something I had to figure out myself. So I haven't been able to depend on a lot of other people and it made me learn a very bizarre skill set, I think. So I became good at very select, strange things. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's helped me get better at what I wanted to do uh, than if I had been in the city and everybody was maybe doing what I was doing. Uh, and then, I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not right at all. I don't know, man. I actually have no idea. <laughs> you just gave a thumbs up to your bandmate, Morgan Greenwood. Yes. Why? Why did you give him a thumbs up? He was just wondering if he could sit over here, and this is the green room. And don't yes, he can. Don't you assume... <laughs> He was just looking around. Looking to see what I can, what I should be pissing into. What you should pee into. He's looking for a washroom. I hope that he finds the correct place. He found it. He found it. So speaking of Morgan, he's from a band called. Now correct me if I get this wrong. Azeda Booth. Perfect. Perfect. Sweet. <laughs> You've gone on record many times about how much you loved that band. What's it like recruiting someone into your own work that you admire? Uh, it's perfect. It's exactly what I thought it could be. Um, and it's funny because people have asked a, a question in the past, like, who is your dream collaborator? And it's literally Morgan Greenwood. I'm in a band with my dream collaborator, so I can't really, like, shoot much higher than where I'm at right now. <laughs> and we haven't written that much together because he signed on basically as a touring member of the group. And that's what it's been so far. And he helped me build the live set completely from scratch. So it's this whole creative energy thing, but strictly live. Um, But we collaborated on one song on the new EP called Orator. 
it's mostly his track and then I um, I wrote the vocal melodies and then uh, added some production and some extra synth stuff as kids you never spoke to me it was bleak dogs don't see so well every old person goes to hell and I I don't love you first sort of like I want to say lazy collaboration because that's a nice way to put it that it was basically a a, a track of his that had already existed that I was desperate to sing over because I loved it. Here's what I have to know. Did you geek out when you met him? Yeah, of course. It was like I basically flew him. Well, the first time we met, funny enough, was in Vancouver. Um, Like two years ago, three years ago, something like that, that um, I had begged him to open a show uh, that I was playing at Electric Owl, and uh, basically the day of, I was like, are you playing? And he was like, wait, maybe, yes, no, I don't know, I'll see you there. And then he did, and it was awesome, and then we, yeah, he was in school, and it was hectic, and it was like, he barely found the time to do it, but he did, and I'm glad he did, and then we met in a very brief way. We talked a bunch more online over the coming months, and then I flew him out to Los Angeles for both of us with the understanding of it being not an audition, but a trying each other on socially, because we had never had the opportunity to even hang out with each other. So it was like, let's feel each other out. If we're not friends or we don't feel comfortable with this, it's like, no, whatever. It's like, fine. And we'll just... And musically. But we didn't go into it talking like that week was not a thing of like let's build the set this week or let's talk about music it was literally like you're here to hang out and we're here to hang out with each other and see how that goes but the thing is we got along so well that we started doing the music immediately because we were both really excited about it so i think after two days we were like let's try stuff out and we did and it's been it's been history ever since (sighs) so Oh, that's sweet. You didn't really say, though, how you went from being a geek to bros. Um, it kind of worked its way backwards, actually, that we were geeky in the beginning. I think that we talked a lot of shop online and then we met and it was just friend shit. And we talked about like Tim and Eric and it's probably, it's probably the beach. The beach. Yeah, I took him to the beach a bunch. And that's and like, like, OK, we're bros. <laughs> like, we were geeks before. Yeah, he, Morgan just said we were geeks before, but now we're bros, and I think that's right. All right, Will and Morgan, a little bit from across the room, the two guys known as Baths, thanks for being on my show. I appreciate it. At the end of the show, I usually let the guest pick one of their own tracks, mm. but I'm going to give you a choice. Okay. Okay. You can either make your own choice, or I can choose it, and it will be incompatible, and I will ask you about the lyrics. <laughs> uh, Okay. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, what? Spice Girls. Oh, wait, I'm confused. Do I get to choose a song? You can choose a bath song for me to play out to, any song you like, mm-hmm. or you can let me choose. I'm going to choose Incompatible, and I'm going to ask you about the lyrics. Okay, um, I will probably choose the bath's song Sleepless, because I think nobody ever hears it, and I'm really proud of it, and I don't think enough people know it, so... I'm going to choose that song. So as I bring that song up, 
Why are you proud of the song Sleepless? <laughs> There's a sound set in it that um, I was trying to achieve. It's like a very kind of deserty sounding pad synth that um, it was one of those magic moments that when you're recording music that I had an idea for what I wanted the sound to be in my head and somehow achieved it very quickly. And that rarely happens. I usually get something that's kind of close, but not the actual sound I was looking for. But I got literally the exact sounding synth that I wanted, and I'm extremely proud of it. And it seems like a dumb, specific reason for wanting to play a song, but I don't know. I'm, I'm still obsessed with that sound, so there it is. I think it's a great reason to play a song, <laughs> so we're going to listen to Sleepless by Bats. It's... Thank you for being on my show. You're welcome. Sorry. And it's specifically the synth that comes in like halfway through the song, not the synth that's happening from the very beginning, just so you know. <laughs> I'm glad that you clarified. Thank you again. Of course. Thanks for having me. Funny what a weird and easy heart I had Before you took it away oh, It returned on its own Fettered waste. Now it lays awake like vapor, don't fade from the swamp. Ooh, your loveless swallowing be gone.
podcast, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. I'd love you to do another one. Pretend, perhaps, that you were happy to be on my show. <laughs> Hi, I'm Will from Baths, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.